Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church of Brenham. I want to thank you for dropping by and listening to our podcast. You know, it's a free podcast, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and click on our donations page. We'd appreciate it very much. So thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Not kill it, kill it, but, well, how many of you recognize that song? I, I, I think at least, at least Jay would recognize that, but, you know, um, that was Pink Floyd's infamous single, Money. It opened on the second side of, of their iconic LP, The Dark Side of the Moon, which was released in 1973. Seems like all the good music was released back in the 70s. Anyway. It reached number 10 in Cashbox magazine and made it all the way to number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 that year. It was the band's first hit in the United States. They're actually from England. And the song is known for its odd time signature. It's a 7-4, for those of you that know about, about music and, and time. Common songs are in 4-4, four, four, which is, you know, just a regular count. Well, it's seven beats over a, a, a four scale, and it's just different. I, and I, I, would, I really hate the fact that we missed the first part of that, because you could have heard all the jingling and all the, all the, the, the cash registers and stuff, and, and it's technical support. And, you know, you guys are doing the best you can back there. Can we give these guys a hand? Because it's just so much to, to have to deal with. Um, last week we were, you know, going through the service, and uh, and I, I was talking to Richard after the service. We we just moved to doing a podcast of the service on Sunday mornings, and uh, you know, and then after the service was over, there were a few people came up like, "Oh, that that was a good sermon," and. Uh, and so I, I took the little, little recorder home. It's got a little disc in it, and I was going to get ready to do the podcast, and it was like, there's nothing here. And so I, I sent out an email, like, well, did something happen? And, and, uh, and Richard sent me a, a message like, yeah, we were so excited about what was going on in the service, we completely forgot. So, uh, so anyway, th- those guys are doing a lot back there. So if you, if, if you think about it, just tell them, you know, thank you, thanks for serving, because, you know, without, without them, we couldn't do this stuff. So, money is one of those things that touches all of us, wouldn't you agree? There just doesn't seem to be enough to go around, or so it would seem. But money is amoral, it, which means it's neither bad nor good, it doesn't have a conscience. It has no emotions or feelings. Money can't make decisions. Even though it can be used for in both good and bad ways, it's neither good nor evil. And one of the most misquoted verses of Scripture in all of the Bible, at least I think so, is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 
Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now notice what it says. It's the love of money. It doesn't say, well, actually, I'm supposed to be doing this. Did it? Did we switch over? We're doing something new this morning, and it, it's, we're doing a kind of a co-teaching thing. So I'm a little out of my element. I think Villard's going to be out of his element. And so, so just, just go along with us, okay? But notice what it says. It says, the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money is evil, and it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. Rather, it's the love of money that leads to all kinds of evil. You don't have to look very far to see how people have done some pretty awful things in order to get their hands on some money. And it's not the money's fault. Rather, it was the person's heart and how they felt and what, how that, that love for the money gripped them and what they were willing to do to get it. So, if it's possible to choose that we're, what we're willing to do to get money and what we do with it, it stands to reason that we need to be wise and, and consider how we handle our money and what we use it for. And that's really what we're going to be talking about this morning. Billy Graham said once, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Now, wouldn't you agree with that? In the kingdom of God, the matter of money centers around the single principle of giving. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave. Whatever we receive from God is not just for us. Giving is what makes it possible in his kingdom for everybody else to receive as well. Now, Villard and I are co-teaching, and before we get going too far, we're going to have Dennis come up and talk about our finances here at the church. Dennis? Morning. This is the fun stuff now. I don't know if you remember, we told you that we would be clear with you about our finances and we have an open book policy on how we spend our money, and you have a copy in your, in your hands there of last year's financial accounts and also uh, this year's financial budget. So very briefly, um, we have a board of trustees that looks after the money of this church, and they make decisions, financial decisions for the church. There are six of us altogether. Um, Villard is the president. Um, Mel is the secretary. I'm the treasurer. There are three others, and we meet regularly, monthly, to discuss the financial situation of the church and how the money's being spent and what changes we need to make. We had a budget last year, and you'll see here on this document that um, we didn't quite make the income that we had expected. Um, you see that the first column there was the actual income of 186217 and then we had a budget of 203000 the third column is uh, what we expect this year. So 189000 It's a modest increase over what we actually produced. So that's how we, we do the budget. We go on last year's, and then we also uh, have various leaders in the church produce what they want to spend in their department. We have the children's department. We have uh, community groups. We have, you know, pastoral. We have various leaders who produce uh, their information to, pre to prepare this budget. So it's done in a democratic way, uh, except that um, in the end, the Board of Trustees decides on this. Okay, so a budget is just there to help guide us uh, in the way we should go. And if there are any questions here uh, on this, I'll be around after if you want to discuss anything, uh, just to make it brief. But I just want to say that in the last three years, we've seen an amazing uh, increase in the amount of money that people are giving. People have been very sacrificial, and people have been very good about, um, you know, putting their, their money where their faith is. 
And we have changed the way we do our accounts. Part of that it has to do with the way we do it. We do it all in a lump sum. But basically, people have responded to Villard's teaching on money, and we think that that's a wonderful thing, something to give praise to God for. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Villard? We only had one chance to work this over, so... Dennis was going to... And Dennis uh, wasn't part of the mix. Brad, if you'll come up, uh, we're going to give you a personal testimony. We think a uh, personal testimony is probably better than a message. Uh, but we're going to give you both, don't worry. Uh, but Brad's going to share just a word. Just a word. Oh, my goodness. Huh? Um, God has really, I believe, taught me, a, gave me a... Okay. God has given me a kernel of truth way back when, and, and he's still teaching me. And not that I've perfected it, but, you know, and I have a lot further to go in this, but it's the area of money. Um, this kernel of truth, I really believe, has made a difference in my life, and my hope today is that you would see that, and it'll make a difference in your life. Um, I became a Christian in, in, when I was 20 years old. Four years later, I, I went into the mission field. I'm talking fast because I only have two minutes. I became a missionary for 10 years. I came back into the uh, workforce at 34 years old. Through that time being in missions, God has been really putting in me it all belongs to me, Brad. The money is mine. It's not yours. But I don't make anything anyway. What am I going to do when I get out? I've got to prepare for my retirement. I've got to prepare for this. I don't have a college degree. I barely made it out of high school. At the same time, it's like I grew up in a poor family. My parents weren't, were on you know, the lower end. And it's like, okay, what's going to happen to me? Uh, God just started speaking to me the scriptures. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. It is God who gives us the ability to create wealth. At the end of the day, he's really been teaching me it all belongs to him. At any time, if I hold it tight, he can rip it out. I've got to hold everything that I have with open hands before God and before man, before everybody, because you know what? As fast as it comes in is as fast as it goes out. Mm -hmm. And I, I realize it's his anyway. I want to be obedient. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to him. We need to be wise stewards with what we have. We need to be obedient to what he is saying. And I'll tell you what, he is going to take care of us. I am so blessed. I look at my life and I go, oh my goodness, you, you suck. But God has just blessed me. I mean, I have no debt and I have a lot of wonderful stuff. And you know what? Today could all be gone because you know what? It's not mine. It's God's, and I just pray and want to be obedient to whatever he has to say. If he says tomorrow to give it all away, hopefully I'll be obedient and do that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's it. Bye. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're going to uh, let us uh, share with you in this message. Uh, you know, you all are a big part of this message. I don't know. You know that? Okay. You got a special gift, though. Uh, each one of you should have gotten one. If you didn't, we have more. It's, uh, you should have gotten one of these nice little pins. If you didn't get one, uh, our ushers could get you one and bring it to you. Uh, did you, you want one? Diane didn't get one. And bring her one of these red cards too. And if you didn't get one of these red cards, you're going to miss another blessing. And uh, Jeremy, uh, he's, he's definitely the head man right back there. He'll get it there. Let me just talk about the responsible decision. Um, we believe here at the church that the area of finances is not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. That make sense? For instance, I know Jesus. Well, you're going to learn this morning as we go through, as we share with you the scripture, if you know Jesus, it affects your what? Your heart. And if it affects your heart, what does that affect? What you do with your money. So Jesus shows you very clearly in the scripture that what is happening in your finances is kind of a direct mirror to what's happening in your heart. Matter of fact, that's the fruit of repentance, he calls it. So today I want you to think about the area of making a decision. Did you know a decision is something you're making if you don't or if you do? You're right. If you don't make a decision, you made a decision. We want you to make a responsible decision with the Word of God. We don't want you to do something the Word doesn't tell you to do. But if the Word tells us, we say, okay. Now, we call it a muscle. 
I call the area of response to God, obedience, making decisions, I call that a muscle. You know why I call it a muscle? Because here's Bluebell homemade vanilla. Over here is, after a while, I look down and I think, you know, something's wrong with Bluebell vanilla because it's causing this reaction in my body. And so finally, I have to make a responsible decision. I can name a few of you that might want to think about this. Just, no, but person, I didn't mean that. Okay, the, <laughs> you ought to cut down from one, two half gallons to one. You know what I mean? Cut back. Anyway, here it is over here. I've got to make a decision. What is it? Cut back. I've got to make a change, right? For you that are not mad at me, go for, go for that. Okay, that's a responsible decision. If you don't make that decision, whose fault is it? Yours. It's not somebody else's fault. We want to blame somebody else for everything that's happening in our life. Did you know the only person you can control is yourself? You found out you can't control your wife, right? Did you know your wife is not your problem? Your husband is not your problem. Your decisions is your problem. You have to make, take responsible decision to make a decision. What did Adam and Eve do? Made a bad decision. Changed the whole universe, right? We're still suffering because of that decision. Did you know your decisions makes a difference in the future? There's a scripture that you need to think about, not in the area of getting, but in the area of decision making. Ask. Ask what? What am I doing with my money? What am I doing with my things? What am I doing with what I have? How would God want me to deal with this? How would God want me to spend my money? How should I ask? If you ask, I guarantee you God wants to give you guidance because he loves you and he wants to bless you. If you don't agree with that, then you won't understand this message. God is a generous God. Number two, it says do what? Seek. Is that a little more aggressive than asking? Yes. So I'm going to seek. I'm going to pick up a book in the foyer. I'm going to read about this stuff. I'm going to study the Word. I'm going to go through and study all the Scripture on money. Because I want to know what does God think about money? What does God have in His Word to guide me? And also then I'm going to knock. That means I'm going to press in. I may have to go dig some, you might say. I'm going to dig for that treasure. And today I want to tell you, there's a treasure for you, but you may have to dig for it. You're not going to get it just because you're here. You get it because you make hard decisions in some places or just make decisions, and you listen to Brad's testimony. We move forward. We evolve in our understanding, and we involve in how God blesses us. So Joel is going to kind of get you started now in the next area of Scripture. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Generosity, I think is everything really centers, well, it, it, it centers around giving. The kingdom centers around giving. But it actually starts with a heart of generosity. If we have a, a problem letting go, then that's, that's a problem for us. That's something that God definitely has to work on us. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans described the extravagant generosity of the Father in this way. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, talking about Jesus, graciously give us all things? Did, did you get that? Paul says God will give us all things. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily like God, I want a Cadillac. Um, you know, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, this, this particular hunting rifle or, or whatever. But God will give us, yeah. and Scripture also says He'll give us the desires of our heart when we seek Him. Mm. That's really the key, is to seek after God. Now, in Jew Jewish culture, having a male heir was everything. A father would never dream of giving up their only son, which was the representative of his entire inheritance. Especially if he was giving that son up for somebody else. But that's exactly what God did. When He sent Jesus to die, 
God gave up everything, everything he had in order to, order to bring us to him. Think about that. Because of this gift of Jesus, the life of the kingdom is available to us now and in the age to come. So with this idea in mind that we can experience this kingdom life now, God set the example by giving and by sending Jesus to die for us. In doing so, He set the bar really high. It's kind of what, what Brad was talking about. Everything is His. Life in the kingdom is centered around giving, both extravagantly and sacrificially. And that is the example right up front. God so loved that He gave. We can do no less. So once we've decided that we want to be part of the kingdom of God, that these principles of giving will guide our lives, we need to set some priorities. What's most important? Mm -hmm. Now, people often talk about what's most important. And maybe you've even said some things, and, and it looks something like this. God, family, church, and work. But a lot of times, what we say is important doesn't exactly look like that in real life. Dave Ramsey, the founder of Financial Peace University, says, if you want to know what is important to a person, take a look at their checkbook. Our checkbook, our credit card statements, our bank statements, they all tell a story that's quite their own. If you want to know what's important to us, then look at how we spend our money. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's true. What do your financial records say about what is most important to you? Some friends of ours went to see an accountant. This has been several years ago. They were, they were looking to, to get more involved in ministry. And they had all kinds of issues financially. And had all these just outstanding debts. And, and, uh, and so they went in to get their taxes done and they were kind of getting ready to take their medicine because they owed quite a bit to the IRS. And so they sat down and you know, they were expecting the accountant to say, okay, well, this is what you need to do and you can do this and you can do that or whatever. And he went down to their, to the, the, their charitable giving. And he looked and said, do you realize you only gave about 3% to the church last year? I like this accountant, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they looked and they were, they were somewhat embarrassed because, well, that's really all we could afford to give. And, and he scolded them and he said, look, it, it, this isn't about affording. This is about trusting God. Mm. You know, when you, when you give the tithe... You know, that, that's, the, that's the first fruit. That's what they talk about in the Old Testament, that you give the, the tithe first, and then you pay everything out of what's left. Well, what do you do about the bills? This is where you, we start having to deal with... with the, that's where the rubber meets the road. How are we spending our money? How have we gotten ourselves into the, this kind of, kind of predicament? And so right then and there, they stopped. And he said, okay, we're going to pray. And we're going to, to, to work out a plan so that you can, can start giving what you need to give. And then by the time you come back here next year, I want to see what God's done in your life to work out all these things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, we, we, we kind of get used to the stuff we hear on TV and, you know, and you come back later and then everything is just, just fine and dandy. But miraculously, when they started giving, then they started having the money to pay off these things. Mm. And somebody sent a check, and, and it, it would just happen to be what they owed for, for this particular account. And, and, and the next thing you know, their debts were paid off. God provided for them to pay off their debt. And then they, they came back the next year, and, and they, were, they were just amazed. Mm. And, and it, it really starts with that challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
do we really see God as the most important in our life? And if we do, then, then that will affect how we give. Yeah, it says, um, test me, test me. That's what right. they did, right? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a major assumption, and I, we've got the slide here. And, and th- this is really what I want to challenge us with this morning. It's impossible to be committed as a follower of Jesus Christ without becoming a committed steward of our financial resources. That's not exactly what's, what's up there, but you, you, can, you can see that and read it. Being a good steward involves managing the resources that we've been entrusted to us, mm-hmm. particularly our money. Part of managing our financial resources as good stewards is to ensure that we set aside enough so that we can give to the kingdom of God. Now in the book of Malachi, this is what Miller was just referring to. Malachi chapter 3, the prophet is speaking on behalf of God. And he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And this is what the the accountant did with our friends. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And I will prevent the pests from devouring our crops and the vines from in your fields will not drop their fruit before they're ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It seems like a fairy tale almost, doesn't it? That just everything is just better? But that's God's promise. And He says, test me in this. If you don't believe me, try it. Just see what I'll do. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times... In all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your stores of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through... And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, it really doesn't matter how much we give, but it does matter how we give it. God will bless us and our gifts that are given out of a heart of generosity. When we give like that, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's all about generosity. The Father's generous, and He wants us to be generous as well. That's right. So we probably shouldn't start cutting the donuts up in the fourth. Uh, leave them whole, right? Okay, I yeah. just wanted, because if we cut them into fours, they'd go a lot further. But what's the message we would give to you? Stingy. Yeah. 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 And we would have by, somebody back there to monitor so you wouldn't get two. Yes, <laughs> two, two of them. See, we want to be a generous church. And we want to be generous to others. And I, I believe we serve a generous God, don't you? Yeah, Amen. I do. Uh, are you through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, do one more. That, that one's you fine. Give? You're, you're, on, you're on the buried treasure. I'm on buried treasure. Yes, sir. You pass that. Okay. Yeah. Buried treasure. 
simply is the fact that out there in a field, he says, there's a treasure. And the guy does what? What does the guy do? You know, you know the story, right? He goes and sells everything he has and buys the whole field. Why? Because of what was in the field. The reason we're giving you that thought in your mind is I believe right now you have to think about God has a buried treasure for you at what we're talking about today. But you're going to have to, you're going to, have to actually let go of something. Now, I, I, I don't always able to show you exactly what I feel, but let me just show you my little, uh, this is called my mon- monkey catcher. Have you all ever caught monkeys? Well, you see that little hole there? That's, uh, that's the exact size for the monkey I'm catching. He can get his hand in there. Now, before I do that, I go over here and I pour some peanuts in there and dried fruit. And then I just, would you hold this? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then I back off over here. And I, I just wait. Guess what? Monkey comes down the tree and he gets it, and then he tries to get in there, see? And all I do is I just stay behind the bush. I got my cage right here. I run the string through the cage, and then I just pull him over. And he won't, you know what the monkey won't do? He will not let go of the peanut. He won't. You can pull him, and he, this is not the monkey. I'm just telling you, yeah? We pull him right over before and get him in the cage, drop the door. We got him. You know why? He wouldn't let go of the peanut. Did you know in here, you know what you're putting, what Satan puts in here for you? More clothes, better credit card, more bigger car, nicer car, nicer place, nicer things, go out and eat. You know, he puts it all in here. And see, we so enjoy those things. We just get our hand in there and then Satan just pulls us right over. And we're in captivity. We can't get the bills paid. We, we've got too much charge now or but see, the thing we missed was the responsibility to make the right decision first. Because, see, God says, I'm going I'm to guide you. I'm going to direct you. And so I don't want to call y'all monkeys, but we're all monkeys, aren't we? We're all led by our appetites. We're all led by what we want. And we somehow have to say, God, I'm going to let go of that. And when you let go of that, what has God got for you? Something better than a coconut, let me tell you. He's got something better than a cage. And don't you feel it at times when the credit, the bills start coming in? Don't you kind of feel like you're in the cage? I do. I kind of like, man, how am I going to make it? Everything I got goes, boom. See, before the month even starts, I pay all my bills at first. I look and I say, heck, I ain't got anything left. Why live rest of the month? I mean, it's the truth. I've caught in that cage, see? And so if we want to change that, responsible decision. God has a plan. He never meant for you to be in a cage. And here's a good word of advice from Joel. (laughs) You may have heard the story about the missionaries Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. They, along with a team of four other missionaries, went to Ecuador in 1952 to evangelize the the Quechua Indians. While working with this particular group of people, Jim discovered another tribe the Huanori Indians, who were in an even more remote part of Ecuador. In 1956, within a few days of making contact with the Huanori, Jim and the other four missionaries were all mercilessly killed by the people that they were attempting to reach. Elizabeth, Jim's wife, returned briefly to the United States, but soon returned to Ecuador to continue the work that was started among the, the Indians in Ecuador. In 1958, Elizabeth, her, her three-year-old daughter, Valerie, and her associate, Rachel Saint, whose husband had also been killed by the Indians, moved into the village with the very people who had killed their husbands Amazing. and his companions. They lived and worked with the Huanori until 1963, when Elizabeth and Valerie returned to the United States. What was it that turned an entire tribe of savages from murderers to believers in Jesus? They saw a woman that loved them, and in spite of what they had done to her family and friends, 
And once they saw her life, they were willing to hear what she had to say. And it would have never happened had they not been willing to follow Jesus wherever he led them to go. An entry in Jim Elliott's journal from 1949 contained the following quote. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim ultimately chose what he couldn't lose and died giving it away. And that's the example that we see in Jesus. It's the example of giving. It's the example of choosing that which is greater, that which is most important. And that's what we've been called to do, Mm -hmm. is to choose. Yeah. Those two ladies changed the world, didn't they? They they went back and what did they choose to do? They let go of their hatred. See, it had them in captivity. That's another thing, is uh, things that have happened to us in the past. We blame for where we're at today or what's happening in our life. I just want to challenge you not to... Not to settle for peanuts. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, there's, there's so much in the kingdom of God. I, I'm, I am so committed to the concept that I, I just, I'm going to put these back. You can't have them. They're mine, so don't worry <laughs> about it. Okay. Let me just give you a closing thought or two about this before uh, Joel brings this to a close. In, in Luke 3, John the Baptist began to preach fire and brimstone. I mean, he was a powerful preacher. And the people began to cry out, what can we do? What can we do? And it's interesting that John gives them some very simple answers. They were talking about fruit of repentance. What is fruit of repentance? Well, look at these three. He talks to a group first, kind of like everyone out there. And he says, should share clothes, food with the poor. Or simply put, John the Baptist says, if you are truly got fruit of repentance, you'll care about hurting people. Yeah. He says, if that's not happening, you need to give more because you've got to give away that selfishness. You've got to get rid of it. Number two, he says, to a group called tax collectors, which we still don't like them very much today. Sorry if you are one. But still, we don't like taxes very well. And that day, it was even worse. He says to the tax collectors, you should not pocket extra money just because you can. What is he saying? He says you should care about people. Fruit of repentance is you care about what they're going through, and you take no more than what is right and correct. He didn't tell them to go live on the street, did he? No, he gave them a practical advice. We're not talking about selling everything and going to Africa this morning. But we're talking about being a responsible person with your own money. Soldiers, he said, don't use your sword to make people give you, you know, on the side to, to, you might say, steal it from them, extort it from them. Don't do that. Do your job and take your salary And be a generous person. Now, those are all listed, if you read there in Luke 3, they're all listed as actually fruits of repentance. Isn't that amazing? We don't think of that as fruit of repentance. But every time you're kind to people, or you're loving to people, or you're generous to people, that means your heart has actually been changed, doesn't it? You remember the guy Zacchaeus, don't you? Little bitty short guy? I love this guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy that I like. He's dressed in nice stuff, but he's up in a tree. <laughs> he's a short guy, but he says, hey, I don't care what it is. I'm going to go up my tree. I'm going to see this guy. Jesus says, come down, Zacchaeus. You're the kind of guy I want to go to your house. He goes to his house, and guess what is the proof that Zacchaeus gets saved? What's the proof? You know what it is. He says, I will give half of everything I have to the poor. Jesus said, whoa, when people give half of their money, something's happened. Wouldn't you agree? Then he said, let me go a little further. He says, I will pay four times back to anybody I've deceived. Now think for a moment. Have you deceived anybody? Have you taken advantage of people in, in public? Have you did, you know, not the way a Christian would do? He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's showing that your heart is yourself. You're selfish. But you got to be generous, he says, because I'm a generous God. 
So I just don't want y'all to end up with peanuts. I want you to have God's blessings in your life. And this morning, we're going to challenge you in just a few moments after Joel brings you in for the landing here. But many of you have been given one of these red cards. Now, if you want to just see if God will bless you, we're wanting you to take those and start reading about it. You got a special gift this morning, a pencil, a pen. These are really unique ones. I had to go all over town to the dollar store to get these. Now, get those out because as he shares, I want you to be praying not about what you give to this church, but about what you feel God's calling you to give to the kingdom of God. Okay? Think about it. Joel, I'll let you go from there. There's a story in the Bible that was significant enough that it appeared in, in the three synoptic, the similar gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's the story about a rich, rich young man. And this morning, I'm just going to read Matthew's account. It's a little long, so that it won't be up here. If you have a Bible, you could, you could look it up. But Matthew writes, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what, must, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept since I was a young man, he said. So what do I still lack? Jesus answered, Okay, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, sometimes when you know how a story ends, you, you, you kind of want it to end differently. I mean, what would it have been like if this young man had have said, okay, just like Zacchaeus, I'll give it up. I want to follow you. But instead, it's a, it's, it's a sad story, and it's used as an example to his disciples and to those who were present. And Jesus told them how hard it is for people who have stuff to get into the kingdom of God. And... When we read stuff like this, it really should scare us. Jesus told the man, decide what you want most. The kingdom of God or your possessions. And sadly, the man chose his possessions. But we, we live in a day where people are defined by the stuff that they own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the nice purse, you know, that it's from New York, or, you know, the, the nice sports car, or the, you know, the luxury sedan or whatever. Mm. Celebrities use their good looks to market everything from cosmetics, clothes, cars, and everything else we can imagine. As a result, people use what they own to tell the world who they are. Mm -hmm. And we're still miserable. Mm -hmm. You've heard the phrase, we buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't like and that we really can't afford to pay for in the first place. <laughs> But that's exactly what we do. We try to tell ourselves that we're happy. The rich man and many of us have a monkey problem. Mm. There's no problem with owning things. It's a problem when those things own us. And when that happens, it can cost us our soul. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal. Mm -hmm. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Mm. For where your treasure is, I think there your heart will be also. I got we can't there. take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. I just now got there. You want to read it again? Sure, oh. sure. <laughs> do not store up yourselves for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin 
do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now, Villard. Take your red piece of paper. This is the moment of exciting month. You need to stand, clap, get excited because God's getting ready to bless you. That's just a good sales pitch. This is like I could be on TV now and say, give and you shall receive. As we receive it, you will be blessed. I've always thought, well, why don't they send me some? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've thought that many times. We're not here at all to get your money. We're here to challenge you to follow Jesus Christ. We're here to let you know that God has a plan to take care of his church, his kingdom. And we're the only ones he's got to do that. But he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through me. He wants Villard to be blessed so I can bless and bless more. And bless and bless more. He says, I want Villard to help a lot of people. I want him to give away. I don't want him in his retirement to have very little money to spend. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to change, but God's got a miracle I know coming. Uh, but we're, 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 we know God's on the throne. Now take this and think about this just for a moment. I've already got somebody. Beverly's already turned hers in. Beverly's being blessed lately too, haven't you? Man, you've been blessed. And if she's already turned it in, she got so excited, she just filled it out in the foyer and signed her name and said she was going to give $1,000 a week. No, no, that wasn't correct. But she has been blessed. You ought to hear her story. It is just incredible. Now, what I did is I just took mine. I went down through the regular giver. That means, you know, I come to church and here comes the plate and, you know, Hey, thank you for doing it. I'll take the tin out and put it in. It's kind of a spontaneous, on-the-moment giving. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's where you're at, we bless you. And we hope you never quit coming. And I'm not checking on it, okay? The number two, though, is we hope to move everybody to where we feel like God is saying, okay, let's, let's move up to what we started in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, we've magnified it in a huge way. Almost in the New Testament, it's I own everything. Now ask me what you can keep concept. Give me all that you have and I'll bless you. But it's a percent of giving. We call it 10% giving. We call it tithing. We hope, because see, we actually believe Malachi is saying, you're under a curse. And so the people, as we give, he takes that curse off and blesses. See, it's not that he's wanting you not to be blessed. This is his concept, see. Give, it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, it may come back to you in what? Uh, you may not get you know, brown patch in your yard. Uh, you may, uh, your car may last a few extra hundred. I don't know. But God begins to bless you because you're on the side of blessing. So percent giving. If you're there, you take this pen, which has been freely given to you, and you check right there. And that's where we hope everybody will check and say, we want to go to that percent. Let's say you're just at 7%. Try there. After six months... If you want to sign this and turn this in, we're not going to go through and check you each week. But we're going to pray over this and say, you know, people sign this. Or you're a sacrificial giver. That means you've been giving the 10% level for a long time. Now you're giving maybe 15%, 20%. There are people in the kingdom that now give 90 and live on the 10. Listen, I think it's because they, they work the principle. And I'll guarantee you take financial peace if you don't understand this because whenever that's offered, and Mel teaches this a lot, whenever it's offered, take it because it's financial peace. It, it is where you need to understand. So check that and then just, just fold it just like this. I've already checked mine. Here's Beverly's. I'm going to fold hers. And just you're just going to pass these to the, to the aisle. And, and, and we're going to have the ushers just come down the aisle and pick up all these, these sheets and if you didn't get one, you can get one you leave and mail it in. I believe with all of my heart, God wants us to pray over these, and we're going to do that right now. Can we do that? Would you just with me bow your heads, Lord? You are a mighty, gracious, loving, generous God. You want to bless. Your word is continually telling us, try me, test me, go for it, believe in me. And Lord, I believe this church wants to do all that you have destined for it to do. And part of that, Lord, is having a people that are blessed. 
They're not only blessed, but they're getting more blessed so that they can help more and more people. And Lord, we believe the amount that we can bless others is tied up into the amount that our heart generously gives to you. Because we're saying we trust you. We don't trust our hand in there on the peanuts. We are wanting you, Father. We let go of the peanuts. We get our hand out of the coconut. And we move to you, Lord, because you're the God that blesses people. And Lord, as we're generous with you, we're saying we trust you. We believe in you. And for six months, Lord, I want you just to pour out blessings upon the people. And Lord, if, if, if it's not better at the end of six months, Lord, help us to just say, okay, okay, Lord, we're just going to back off there. We're not going to push. But Lord, we believe in six months we're going to see some difference in our lives. And we're willing to say, Melchiah is right. We want to test you, Lord, and see if you'll not prove yourself to us. And we give you the praise. Would you stand with me as you pass those cards down to the the aisle and some of our great ushers? And you can actually keep the pen. It's yours. You can take it home. Uh, Be sure and don't leave it here. Some kids might use it on the the seats. Uh, So be sure and take it with you. You're a gracious group. And if if you need prayer for anything, I mean anything, we are always ready to pray with you. And uh, you want a word of closing. Yeah, if you, if, if you have any, anything that you need prayer for, maybe you came here this morning and, and you, you were looking forward to getting some ministry and, you know, we've been talking about money. And, you know, and, uh, you've got some, some heart issues that you need help with or maybe you need, to, need some healing. We want to take an opportunity to do that. I'm going to go ahead and, and say a prayer of dismissal. And uh, if, you, if you need prayer... Come on to the front. Our, our prayer team will be coming down, and, and they'll be here to, to assist us to pray. But thank you so much for being here today. We, we're so excited about what, what God is doing, I think, what God is doing here in our church. And God really wants to, to bless us. Mm. And, and we're just, just thankful that, that we can be in this place where we can receive His blessing. So Lord, we, we give you thanks. We give you praise this morning. Thank you for, for bringing us here together. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's just been moving and and touching and working here even even as we do what we do and lord we ask this morning that you uh, that you would go with us that you would bless us that you'd be with us throughout this week and lord that we would see your blessing on everything that we do we give you thanks and we give you praise in jesus name amen god bless you if you need prayer come on to the front we'll be hanging out and